Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at hopehogesville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. Listen to the reading of God's Word from Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 18. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Centria he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them, saying, I will return to you again if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth and eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, Paul says this to the Corinthian church. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing us to be together this morning to sing and to pray together and to partake in communion with one another before you. Father, I pray that you would help us as we read your word. Help us to see what you have said to us, what you have shown us about you and about your church and about us. Help us to uh, be convicted. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to walk in your ways. And Lord, if there are any that are with us today that are in need of your salvation, please help them to cry out to you that they might know you and that they might walk rightly with you. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been walking through the book of Acts and following, at this point, following Paul on his missionary journeys. This morning, we're going to take a little bit of a... uh, a look at what it looks like to grow in the faith, uh, to be a disciple in the faith. 
Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, those verses that I just read kind of pointed out as Paul was saying to the Corinthian church, he was saying that uh, he kind of pointed out Apollos, who was a teacher of the gospel, and he pointed out kind of himself as a teacher of the gospel. And he said, neither of us are, are anything in regards to your faith and where you're at in your relationship to God. Because the growth that you see in your life came to you from God, not from me, and certainly not from, or not from Apollos, and certainly not from me. Although he recognized that they were instruments in the hands of God for the delivery of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ to the hearts of those who were listening and being saved. So this is a picture of what it looks like for God to use his witnesses and his word to cause growth and to bring faith out in the hearts of people. God is doing a great work. God is leading people to salvation. God is preaching to them his good news. And God is leading people to believe. And God is leading people to have faith in him. And he is discipling them. And he is equipping them. And he is growing them. So it's all the work of God. But God is using his witnesses and God is using his word to accomplish that. Today, we're going to take a look at Apollos because I believe that he's a little bit of a picture of what it looks like for God to use someone uh, to bring about growth. And God is also using others to bring about growth in Apollos' life. This is a little bit of a uh, side story. It's kind of a meanwhile story in the book of Acts. I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a recap to show you where we're at. So we're concluding Paul's second missionary journey. So we've been reading. So starting in verse 18, Paul was in the city of Corinth. And remember, he was there with Silas. He was there with Timothy. He was there with Priscilla. He was there with Aquila. He had met Priscilla and Aquila there. He'd spent about a year and a half there preaching and teaching to the church and leading people to Jesus Christ. One of the longest stays that he'd been able to have in a city. Um, as you remember, everywhere he goes, he stops off first in the synagogues preaching to the Jews, trying to convince them that the Messiah that they're hoping for is Jesus the Nazarene that they've heard about. A lot of places that they stop at, he received opposition because the Jews didn't really like that story. And uh, so they would quickly run him out of town, or the church would secretly help him escape in order to save his life. But God gave him a special protection in Corinth so that he could stay there for a long time. But now it's time for him to leave. And uh, at this point in time, he's packing everything up and he's going home. He's going all the way back to Antioch, which was kind of his home base of missions, and which is way over, uh, way east in Syria. And uh, he leaves Silas and Timothy there in Corinth. And he takes with him Priscilla and Aquila and he heads out on his journey. And on his way, he stops in Ephesus. Uh, now, as we've been studying, wherever Paul stops, we kind of take a break and we spend a little time in those little letters that Paul wrote to those um, cities. But we're going to kind of postpone that till next week because he stopped in Ephesus on his second missionary journey, but he didn't stay long. He stopped there and he left Priscilla and Aquila there and he kept right on going because it, it most likely Luke doesn't spend a lot of time on this. In just a couple of verses, he talks about his journey to Antioch. But it probably took a very, very, very long time for him to journey from where he was in Corinth all the way back to Antioch. That was a boat ride. It was a lot of walking. It was a lot of traveling. It took a really long time. So he didn't stop very long in Ephesus on his way through the Galatian region. But he left Priscilla and Aquila there, and that's very important. Because Priscilla and Aquila stayed in Ephesus to help encourage and strengthen and build up the believers that were there in Ephesus. 
Um, but while Paul was in Antioch, we get this little bit of a meanwhile, there is a certain man, uh, kind of a special character that we're going to hear about. His name was Apollos, and he lived in Ephesus. And while he was in Ephesus, the Lord had done a great work in his art and was leading him to believe in Jesus Christ. And he got so excited about his newfound belief in Jesus Christ that he wanted to do exactly what Paul had been doing all along everywhere he went. Apollos went into the synagogues and attempted to convince the Jews that Jesus the Nazarene was the Christ that they had been hoping for. We're going to take a look at Apollos and see what... Um, what we can learn from him, uh, Luke highlights several characteristics about Apollos uh, that I believe are characteristic of a person who's growing in the faith, characteristic of what all believers should, to some extent, exemplify. Maybe not exactly the same way, because he seemed to have a special ministry calling in his life as a missionary. Not all believers are called to that, um, to that type of ministry. But all believers, I believe, should exemplify some aspects of these qualities. So let's take a look at some of these. So let's come down to verse 23, where we pick up hearing about Apollos. In verse, Acts chapter 18, verse 23. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Now the first thing it says about Apollos was that he was an eloquent man, which means that uh, he was very well educated and he was skilled in his speech. Uh, he was a Jewish man. He was very knowledgeable of God's word. And specifically here it says that he was mighty in the scriptures and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Uh, now that means that he was not just a little bit knowledgeable of scripture, but he was devoted to the word of God. He was devoted to the study of the word of God. And that word mighty means strong. He was strong in his knowledge. He had an extensive knowledge of God's word. He had apparently spent a lot of time studying and learning what the scriptures had said about God. And he had become, uh, he, he had become a strong believer in God. Uh, it, at, at least at one point, he was a Jew. And most Jews were strong believers in God, believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, believers in the Messiah. But they, many of them, did not have an understanding or a belief that Jesus the Nazarene was the Messiah and was their Savior. He was coming to this point where he was learning about Jesus and he was realizing that Jesus the Nazarene was his Savior. And he had this newfound belief and he was pouring over the scriptures and studying them. And it says here that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, which means he was willing to sit under instruction. I think these are characteristic characteristics of believers who are growing in the faith. The Lord is going to use a willingness to sit under instruction and a willingness to be devoted to the word of God. All believers who devote themselves to the word of God and are willing to sit under instruction the Lord will use that to grow them in their faith. And in this instance, he was growing. Let's look at another characteristics, another characteristic that we see in him in verse 25. 
This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately things concerning Jesus. That word fervent means uh, kind of a zeal or an excitement. So he had come to not just a knowledge of what the word of God said about the Messiah and salvation and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but, uh, and also the fulfillment of all those prophecies in Jesus Christ. He, had, he was becoming excited about this because of his newfound faith. And as a result of his excitement, he wanted to boldly proclaim his newfound belief in Jesus to as many people as he could convince. And so he set out to convince his fellow Jews, and he went to the synagogue and began to try to convince these people. So he, it says that he was fervent in spirit, and he was speaking and teaching accurately things concerning Jesus. Now, many people, many of the Jews would speak in the synagogues. A lot of the Jewish leaders would stand up and speak in the synagogues but they weren't necessarily speaking accurately about Jesus. He had apparently come to an understanding about Jesus that was leading him to be able to tell the truth about Jesus and to, to help these people to see what was right about Jesus Christ, but it was limited. He seemed to have kind of a cursory understanding that Jesus the Nazarene was the fulfillment of God's promise of salvation, and he was believing in Jesus unto salvation, but he didn't fully understand the extent to how that worked. And he didn't understand the baptism of Jesus, and he didn't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit quite yet. He was still preaching baptism of John the Baptist. So he was kind of mistaken in some of his teaching, and he was going into the synagogue and still teaching the baptism of John, which was wrong at this point for him to be leading people to be baptized uh, according to the baptism of John the Baptist. So he was corrected. And let's kind of take a look at how this plays out. So we, first of all, we see Apollos was a Christian or a man who was devoted to the word of God. He was mighty in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was also a Christian who was excited and boldly tell, telling people about Jesus. I think those are all characteristic of believers who are growing in their faith. But he was also a Christian who was teachable and still willing to learn. And we see that in the fact that he was weak in his understanding, even though he was strong in his knowledge of God and he had an extensive knowledge of God, he was still limited in his understanding of Jesus Christ and the riches of his salvation. And he was in need of continued teaching. He was in need of continued discipleship. So let's see what happens next. In verse 25, it says... He was teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with the baptism of John, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So while he was preaching, while he was teaching, Priscilla and Aquila overheard what he was saying, and they were sitting there listening, and they thought to themselves, this man seems to be a believer in God, a believer in Jesus Christ, but he's getting one thing wrong. He's wrong about the baptism of John the Baptist. He's wrong. He doesn't seem to understand the baptism of Jesus. And so they pulled him aside to explain to him what was lacking in his faith. And what's unique here is that it seems as though Apollos was willing to listen to them. 
He was willing to be taught. He was willing to be pulled aside and corrected in his faith, corrected in his knowledge, and corrected in his understanding. And I think it's characteristic of believers who are growing in their faith to remain teachable, to remain in a position where we are willing to be corrected even if we're wrong in our beliefs, if we're wrong in our understanding about God, if we're wrong in our practice of our faith, which does happen quite frequently, which is one of the things that I value about uh, our church fellowship and how we fellowship throughout community groups and how we're pulling each other aside at various times, inviting each other to our homes and discussing the word of God together. Because when we do that, we are attempting to read God's word and interpret God's word together, and we're um, interpreting God's word with God's word, and we're sharing with one another what we see, and sometimes we place on the table a perspective that might not be correct, and that's okay. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to, to admit that this is what we believe and be wrong about it especially with other brothers and sisters in Christ, because with brothers and sisters in Christ together and with the word of God and with the presence of the Holy Spirit, hopefully we can be corrected and we can come to the truth together and we can walk rightly in our understanding about God. And we don't have to go on believing something that's incorrect. So what's beautiful about this is that he was soft in his heart. It seems like maybe Priscilla and Aquila noticed about him as he was teaching a a certain amount of humility that would have made them willing to pull him aside privately and say, we think that you're wrong about this, but we'd like to help you come to a better understanding, a more complete understanding about Jesus. And so they did. So we see in Apollos that he was... Devoted to God's word, he was strong in knowledge, he was instructed in the way of God, he was also bold and excited about his faith in Jesus Christ, but he was teachable and willing to learn. But something else that I notice here about the believers is we see Christians who are willing to lovingly teach and disciple and help their brothers in the faith. And I think that's characteristic of Christians who are growing the faith as well. It's characteristic of a healthy church. It's characteristic of healthy believers that were willing to bring each other along in the faith. Um, Notice what they didn't do. Priscilla and Aquila could have accused him of being a false teacher. They could have set out to discredit him and gone to other people, the believers and the people that were considering their faith in God and said, listen, uh, Apollos is not teaching the truth. You need to not listen to this man. They could have said, um, they could have set up their tent and began to preach the truth right next to him and compete for the audience so that they could maybe help people to see the truth and just let Apollos keep on telling, uh, keep on being wrong. But instead, because they seemed to notice a sense of humility in this man, they pulled him aside privately and sought to disciple him. They sought to bring him along. They sought to help him come to a clearer understanding of Jesus rather than just write him off as a heretic right off the bat which I think is a really good quality for believers who know that we're all saved by the grace of God. We have all come to the understanding that we have about Jesus and about the word of God and the knowledge of God and the truth of God by God's grace. And we all recognize that in some way, shape, or form, we're probably all still wrong about some things. And hopefully people are going to show us some grace as we make mistakes in our faith and in our belief. And so I think that's what we're seeing here is Priscilla and Aquila showing mercy and kindness and compassion towards this man who's zealous for his faith in Jesus Christ, teaching about Jesus, but bring him along in the faith. 
But also here we see a Christian who is, or a man who by the grace of God helped other Christians in his newfound faith. Because after he had been corrected by Priscilla and Aquila and continued to be discipled by them, uh, he felt a desire to move from Ephesus over to Corinth. Now, you remember Paul was in Corinth preaching the gospel of Jesus for over a year with Priscilla and Aquila. He wanted to go to Corinth and continue some of that work teaching those churches and sharing the gospel and evangelizing to the lost that are there in Corinth. So he wanted to set out as a missionary, and so he asked for permission, and he asked for prayer, and Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and then they, they gave a blessing to him and invited the church to give their blessing to him and to pray for him as they were sent out to Corinth. And when he got to Corinth, by the grace of God, the Lord empowered him to preach boldly and to preach effectively and to help people come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. So you see a man who has kind of a partial understanding of Jesus and his newfound faith in Jesus as the Christ, and he's being discipled and he's growing in his faith. God is leading him and he's growing and he's provided Priscilla and Aquila to come along as pastors and teachers and um, disciplers in his life. And then he's, God has equipped him now to be an evangelist, an effective evangelist in another city preaching Jesus. So let's see what he says in these verses. In verse 26, he says, He began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, that's where um, Corinth was, is in the region of Achaia, south of Greece in the Peloponnesian Islands. Um, when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So scripture says that he became a great help to the believers in Corinth. Because he was publicly refuting the Jews, which strengthened and encouraged the young believers there in Corinth who were struggling to continue in their faith while the Jews were contradicting them at every turn. And he stood and publicly corrected them about Jesus and was a strong and um, powerful encouragement to the believers that were there. So we see a man who was devoted to the word of God, mighty in scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord. He was excited and boldly telling people about Jesus. He was teachable and willing to learn. He was, a, um, he was willing to be used by God to help other Christians. And he proved to be powerful with the word of God, which I believe tell, speaks more to the power of God and the power of the word of God than it does to the power of Apollos himself. This is a story about God discipling and growing the church, less a story about a man who was great that we should emulate. It's more about God who is doing a great work through ordinary people, much like you and I. And that's why I wanted to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, because you see, Apollos stayed in Corinth for a while, and he led people to Jesus. And Paul had led people to Jesus in Corinth. Now, the people in Corinth kind of started to, to form these little camps, these little uh, parties. You know, these groups of people that said, well, I was discipled by Paul. 
well, I was discipled by Paulus. Well, Paul is better at this and that. Well, Apollos is better at this and that. And they were this little competition rivalry between the brothers in Christ because of the men that they were following. And Paul has kind of a sharp rebuke for them in Corinth and says, you shouldn't be following Apollos and you shouldn't be following me. You're following God. It's God who saved you. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth, which testifies here to the fact that Paul considered Apollos a brother in the faith, a partner in the ministry. You see, it, it could be debated as to whether or not Paul was a Christian starting out. When you read, it's really hard to tell when you're reading in Acts chapter 18, because at first he's a Jew. A lot of Jews believe in God. A lot of Jews believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they believed in the Messiah, but a lot of them didn't know about Jesus. And it could some believe that he wasn't really saved until Priscilla and Aquila sat down with him and explained to him the full teaching of Jesus, that he came to know Jesus Christ. It's really kind of hard to tell. But either, either way, we see the work of God and the process of salvation and the process of growth and the life of this man. Sometimes salvation starts by God through the presence of the Holy Spirit and through the preaching of the Word of God, helping somebody to, to see truth. And they begin to ask questions and they begin to believe and God begins to do the work of salvation in their life and they begin to have an understanding about Jesus. But as all baby Christians are, our newfound faith in Jesus oftentimes is very limited. It's not always complete. It's faith like a child. But it begins to grow and it begins to disciple. It begins to be discipled. And, it, and the Lord causes a growth that takes a man like Apollos and now uses him in gospel ministry as an evangelist who's very effective and powerful with the word of God, whom Paul considers to be a brother in the faith and a fellow minister in the gospel. God's doing this work. And so he says here, I'm, I'm the one who planted. Paulus is the one who added water. Neither one of us are really anything. It's God who caused all this growth. Verse 8 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, meaning there's really no difference between us. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, meaning that God will reward Paul the way God wants to reward Paul. God will reward Apollos the way God wants to reward Apollos. Your focus needs to be on the God who saved you and is growing you and is discipling you. He says, each will receive his reward in his own accord, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. And that's how God would have us to view ourselves. We are God's field. We are God's building. And he uses the illustration of a building that's being built up on God, the foundation of of our heart and our soul. So it was God that carried the growth uh, in Apollos. It was God that caused uh, the people around Apollos to believe. It was God that made the message powerful, and it's God that makes us grow. It's God that's doing this work in our life. God is using his witnesses and his word to cause our growth. That's how we all came to know Jesus Christ. We came to know Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word of God. Some witness somewhere, whether it be your mom or your dad or some pastor in a pulpit or an evangelist or, um, or someone who 
explained to you the truth about the word of God, the witness of God preached to you and taught you about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit powerfully utilized the word of God to lead you to belief in Jesus Christ. And we are where we are today because of the power of God working in us. So this is just a small picture of how God uses ordinary Christians and grows ordinary Christians in their faith. It's a picture of discipleship. We're disciples of Jesus. This is, these are some characteristics of what it looks like to being a growing disciple of God. So I'd like to invite you to pray through some of these things as we reflect on these this morning. Some of the things that we saw were, that we noted were Apollos' devotion to God. Pray that God would help us to, um, to be devoted to his word. And early on in Acts, the, the early disciples were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread and prayer. They were devoted to that. Pray that God would help us to have a desire to be in his word and to love it. Pray that God would give us a joy and a zeal and an excitement about our faith that would cause us to want to tell others about Jesus, to be bold, even if we don't really know all that we should know yet, even if we're still kind of babies in our faith or still growing in our understanding and not really very knowledgeable Pray that God would make us excited and want to talk to people about our faith. Pray that God would help us to stay teachable. It's very possible for believers to become prideful and hard-headed to the extent that we're not good listeners. Pray that God keeps us soft in our hearts and willing to listen and humble and willing to recognize that we probably do make mistakes and we get things wrong on a daily basis and we need one another. We need the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ preaching the gospel to us on a daily basis. Pray that God will help us have a love and a desire for that. Um, pray that God will help us not to let the little things corrupt that, the things that corrupt the fellowship. Pray that God will help us to be teachers like Priscilla and Aquila, a willingness to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, even in their weaknesses, as people that we love and want to pull aside and help to, to bring along it to a better understanding of Christ. Pray that God will help us to, um, that he will empower us to help believers, to help uh, believers to have courage in their faith and to be, um, to be bold in their faith, much like the Corinthian believers when, uh, when Apollos went over there and preached and encouraged them because he joined up with them side by side, preaching Jesus with them. Pray that we will be an encouragement to one another. Pray that the Lord will empower us to be evangelists. We do pray sometimes that that God will help us, that when we speak Jesus to the lost people we know, God will effectively empower that word to save their souls. Because, you know, we can't actually save anyone. Only the Spirit of God through the Word of God. So we pray that God will effectively use our testimony to save people. And I know that's your desire, and I know that's my desire. Please join us all in praying that God will make us effective at leading people to Jesus. And then, in terms of the message that brings all this together, it all revolves around Jesus Christ. Apollos needed to know that Jesus, um, when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, that his blood paid the price for all of his sins. It was sufficient to cover all of his sins. And the baptism of John was just a washing of water. It was repentance. It was basically calling people to repent and believe in the coming Messiah. It was a hope. But the baptism of Jesus was to, to, 
to recognize that the hope is fulfilled. Christ has come. Our Savior is here. Jesus said, John baptizes you with water, but our John said, oh, let me read this correct. I'm about to mess it up. Matthew chapter 3. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So it's not just water that washes dirt off your body. He's talking about Jesus, who by the presence of the Holy Spirit washes us of our sins on the inside, makes us new, regenerates us. That's, um, that's why it's, he calls it a new birth, being born again. So he washes us on the inside. That's the fire, the cleansing fire that's symbolic of the altar of God and the Holy Spirit being in us, making, dwelling within us, making us new. That is salvation. That's the regeneration work of God. So by trusting in Jesus to forgive you of your sins and believing that he is our Savior, the Spirit of God will use that faith to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That is a... That is a change from the inside out. And then the water baptism comes as a symbol of what God's done on the inside. And so that's what Apollos needed to understand, and that's what we all need to understand. If you're wrestling with God and with your belief in God, the simple instruction here is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. God, will, God uses your faith to apply his saving work and the presence of his Holy Spirit to wash you and to clean you and to make you right with God. That is salvation. I encourage you to cry out to Jesus for salvation if that's where your heart is at this morning. Let's pray through these things together. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.